as you can see, just about everyone's self-conceived image of what the person they were talking to was, was off. And some of them off by a lot. And so this really gets us at the idea of judging, of judging others. Now I think we often think of judging, that's too high, I can't see you guys over there. Move that down a little bit. We often think of judging in terms of moral judgments, right? Well, I can't believe that person did this thing. Or, well, oh, I, would, I would never do that. Well, I, I can't believe they would even think about that. But I would wager that the majority of judging we do happens outside of the realm of mortality. Not mortality, morality. <laughs> it's outside of the realm of morality. I would argue that the most of the judging we do comes in the first impressions we create of people. Comes from assuming something about another person. When we make an assumption about someone, we're making a judgment call. We're judging that person. And our own personal prejudices really form the core of our judging. The way we view other people, the way we perceive judgment on other people comes down to our past, our experiences, what we've gone through. And today's passage talks about judging. But I want to do something a little different with it. I want us to take us out of the realm of the judging, jury, 12 angry men judgment mindset, right? That's, I feel like, often what we come to this passage with. So I want us to think about this passage in terms of prejudices, in terms of assumptions we make about each other every single day. So with that, let's dive in to our passage. So this is, we're in, we're in chapter 7 now. So this is Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whenever, whatever you deal out will be dealt to you. Why do you see the splinter in your brother's eye or your sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take that splinter out of your eye when there's a log in your eye? You deceive yourself. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother or sister's eye. Don't give holy things to dogs, and don't throw your pearls in front of the pigs. They will never, they will stomp on the pearls and then turn around and attack you. So how do the ideas of personal prejudices, of assumptions, fit in with what Jesus is talking about here? What might be easier to start this way. How would you want people to judge you? Right? Think about that. I think for me, I would want people to judge me for me, not as a member of a larger group. I would like to be evaluated for what I do and say on my own, on my merit. For example, a lot of times I actually don't like getting generalized and thought of as a pastor because to the majority of people I talk with, on a day-to-day, -day, on a week-to-week -week basis, the title pastor carries with it a lot of baggage and a lot of meaning. And to a lot of people, that's not good baggage. 
that's not good connotations. One of the groups that Rivertree really, really seeks to actively try and engage is people who have been disenfranchised by church, people who have been hurt by church. And so for that group, my title instantly puts me at a disadvantage. My title instantly puts people on the defensive, not from anything I've personally said or done or not said or not done to them, but simply because assumptions are made about me based on a larger context, based on a larger group that is outside of my personal control. So I want to be evaluated and judged based on what I say, what I do or don't do, or the mistakes I personally make, not on others who happen to have the same job as me. Now, that is a small example. You could take this example to larger areas, right? In part of the video we saw, people can be judged on how they look, where they were born, what gender they are. These are some big, weighty things that people make instant judgment calls on. Not seeing an individual, seeing someone as part of a larger group and judging, making assumptions based on that larger group. So how else do we personally want to be evaluated or judged? Well, for me, I would love the other person to give me the benefit of the doubt, right? I think that's something we would all want. I want per a person who just meets me to assume the best out of me, rather than assume the worst, right? Most people agree with that, like that's how you would want people to perceive you. We want people to think we're good at what we do. That, for example, we're truthful, we're hardworking, we're loving, we're caring, whatever it is. We want the opportunity to show that, yes, we are those things and can live up to those expectations rather than have to fight to overcome negative expectations. That's a big difference to overcome, right? Because it's, it's the difference, I know, if you can start at 100%, right? It's much easier to try to maintain that rather than to start at zero and have to work up to 100. So we want people to evaluate us from a place of love, from a place of generosity, right? But how often do we do that? So here's a story to kind of illustrate this point. Um, when I was in school, obviously you take lots of exams, right? A ton of exams. None of them as adorable as her with her matching hat and scarf. I never looked that great while taking an exam, but point still stands. One particular exam stuck out to me uh, because of something that happened in it. This was, I believe, my second year of grad school, and it was a multiple choice test. And or it, was, it was multiple choice and a fill in the blank test. In the fill in the blank section, almost every single person missed one of the questions. And we had two TAs grading the class, so two teaching assistants, each of them took half the class, graded it. One of the TAs just assumed we were dumb and hadn't studied or whatever, because the question wasn't supposed to be a trick or hard question, it was supposed to be a pretty easy question, it was a simple thing. So one TA was just like, well, they just must not have studied well, they didn't take it seriously, whatever. The other TA thought something had to be off, thought something was like, my students, they're good. I, I assume they wouldn't have missed this. So did a little bit of digging and noticed almost everyone 
wrote the same incorrect answer. So went to the professor, was like, what's going on here? They, they did a little bit of digging, and they found out that when the professor had originally taught this material, the slide that had the information on it had a misprint. The word had autocorrected to something completely different. No one had noticed it. And so these students had paid attention, saw the slide, copied down the autocorrected wrong answer, studied that, and so spit that answer out on the exam. So once, once the professor saw that, he gave people credit for this wrong answer because it was not their fault. It was they had pulled it off the slide, so it wasn't from a lack of studying. So one TA assumed the worst, assumed, well, they just, they, they're bad students. They didn't study. They didn't take it seriously. The other TA assumed the best, assumed something else had to be at play here. I think it's safe to say we would all want the second TA grading our stuff, right? We, we want that person who gives us the benefit of the doubt. But how often are we the first TA? The person who assumes the worst and doesn't try to figure out what's happening. Doesn't try to get underneath the reasoning for what's going on. And I think this is what Jesus, one of the things Jesus is hinting at with the splinter log analogy. We more than expect, more than want people to understand where we're coming from, to give us the benefit, to take our circumstances into account. But are we doing that for other people? When someone is rude to us, like at the store, someone bumps into you with a card, goes off, is our first thought, that person's a jerk. I don't like them. Their parents didn't raise them right or something, right? Or is our first thought, oh man, I bet that person's just having a really, really bad day. I should pray for them that their day gets better. What's our first thought when that happens? I think we judge people based off of a few things. And they're mostly things that aren't related to how we want to be judged. So we judge people based on what we see, based on what is physically before us. We judge people based on our past experiences, experiences we've had, experiences with other people. And we judge people based on our intentions. Well, this is, this is how I would do the situation, or this is what I would assume should be done here. Notice none of these are taking into account the things we want people to judge us by. Personal actions, grace. Right? Those things aren't in there. So I want to do an example to highlight this idea here. So who wants to come help me with this example and have some delicious treats? Uh -huh. Can I get a couple people up here? Yeah, come on up, come up, yeah, yeah. Two, two, do we want anyone else? Do we want any adults want to come up? Anyone else? Leo, Leo, anyone else want to come up? No, no? Mason's coming? Yep. All right. Grab a jelly bean, but don't eat it yet. Just pick one out. Anyone? Okay. Hold that. Speak to okay. Go through. All right. What, what do you got there? So now. Here, yeah, Mason. Turn it on over here. So, 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 so turn it on over here so, so everyone can see. 
All right, which one do you got there? That's that one. All right, so that one could be birthday cake, but it could be dirty dishwater. Can you tell just by looking at it? Can you tell which one it is? What do you got, Mason? Wait, let me, I got a red and let me see. Let me see. You got a red and orange one? Um, all right, so that one, ooh, that one could be strawberry banana smoothie, or it could be dead fish. Can you tell? Can you, can you tell me which one it is? Uh, yeah? Which one do you got? Let me see. Um, oh, you got the same one as her. Grab a different one. Grab a different one so we can get an, uh, another gross flavor. Ooh, okay. So that one is either buttered popcorn, which is delicious, yellow buttered popcorn, or it's rotten egg. Can you tell which one it is? No? Anyone brave enough to try it? All right, let's, let's, go, one, let's go one at a time, one at a time. All right. Yeah? Did you get a good one or a bad one? Okay, so you probably got a good one. That's good, that's good. All right, Mason? You got a bad one. <laughs> I can sense it. All right, what do you got, what do you got? Oh, that face makes it look, oh, it's a good one. Okay, okay, good, good, we got a good one. So now, if you were to grab the exact same color one, could, could you tell which one it was, even having one before? If you didn't, if I hadn't told you there was two kinds and you just grabbed the same one you had before, how upset would you be if you had the good one the first time and then grabbed the bad one the second time? Just like, what? What, what happened? It's like, Mason, you had the bad one. If you did not know there was the good side, would you ever have grabbed that kind of jelly bean again? No. Probably not, right? So that just is getting at the idea that there is so much more going on that we can't see. Thank you. I mean, if you guys want to take some with you, you can. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to risk it, take some with you. Go for it. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> you got it. Got a couple. Boom. All right. They'll be around after if anyone else wants to try the uh, the experiment. <laughs> So this gets at the idea that just what we see isn't the whole story. It's hardly any of the story, really. Because so much of the flavors, what's going on in the background, the process that went into making those, determines whether, what are some of the other combos we got? Could determine whether we got, what's another one? Oh, oh, whether we got delicious pear or booger. They, were the, they look exactly the same, and you, I, <laughs> absolutely not, yeah. So, this is getting at that idea. A lot of the things we use to form those instant impressions, those instant judgments, can mislead us. Will give us false impressions. Will not give us the majority of the story. So, what does this mean for us today? Here at Rivertree, what does this mean? Well, Rivertree is seeking to be a missional church. My missional church is a church that is constantly engaged with people. It is about always forming new relationships, deepening relationships you have. And one of the best ways to 
not make assumptions about others is to understand them more. And that's where these relationships come in. It is super easy to assume that that classmate that is just a jerk to you is just simply mean and a bad person. But what if they're just insanely lonely? And <laughs> did you get a bad one? <laughs> and they don't know how to deal with it. And they're scared. So they play the bully, they play the tough persona to hide that. You're never going to find out if you don't actively seek to build a relationship. It's super easy to assume that coworker who is extra bubbly and annoyingly happy at times has absolutely everything figured out and is living their absolute best life. But what if they're drowning in depression? And the only way they know how to get through it, how to combat it, is to put on a false mask of perfection. We're never going to know that unless we get to know the person, unless we build relationships. We're not going to know that person needs anything. That video example from the beginning, how many of the people, the, the perceptions, after the five-minute conversation, they had formed what they assumed the person was, how different was that from opening their eyes if they had just walked past that person on the street? And that was just a five-minute conversation that perceptively changed their view of the other person. So how much more could that perception, that understanding change, the more we develop relationships, as we develop these deep personal friendships, companionships, fellowship. That's why relationships are one of the cornerstones of the things RiverTree is trying to do. Truly understanding someone helps us cut through that surface level judgment. Help us cut through those instant ideas we have of someone. It's, <clears throat> sorry, it's truly easy to put people into nice, tight boxes. Put them in perfect categories, right? I can figure out what this person wants, what this person needs, what I think that person's like. Nice and easy, right? But it takes a lot of work to get to know someone's heart. It takes a lot more work to understand someone beyond what we just simply see in front of us. And that's what we want to foster here. That's what we want the environment of River Tree to be. An environment where people are willing to put in that work. Where people desire to get to know people. Desire meaningful relationships. Continually growing meaningful relationships. To push past that simple, rudimentary judgment level. Because, I mean, Christians today, we kind of have a bad reputation as some of the quickest to judge, as some of the quickest to assume the worst of people. So we have a lot of work to do to overcome the world at large's assumptions about Christians, about the church. We have work to do. And the outside world is probably not going to be the ones to take that first step. Right? 
so we're going to have to so we have to make the effort to reach out to break down assumptions we have to do the work of moving forward moving from being a potential judgmental outsider to a close and understanding friend to a trusted person because it's in moments of safety and trust and fellowship where people's needs start to show through. It's in places like that where Jesus truly becomes real to the people who need him the most. The question is, are we willing to go out there, to put ourselves out there? Because it's scary to reach out and start to try to develop relationships with new people, to develop deeper relationships with people we know. Are we willing to put in the work? That's what, that's what we want to do at Rivertree. That's what being missional is. It's putting in work to develop relationships. So let's try to do that together. That's our challenge this week. Find just one person. Think of one person. Pray for them. Continually start praying for them. And then figure out how to get to know them better. Figure out how to deepen a relationship or even start a relationship with that person. Let's start there. And move forward. Eventually get to a spot where we can talk with them about the amazing faith we have. About the amazing love and grace and salvation that we live every day, that we're blessed with, that we live in every single day. Start with just getting to know someone. Start with breaking down barriers of assumptions. If we can do that, that'll be an amazing step. That'll be a monumental, huge step forward in bringing people to Christ. Stand with me as we pray. Dear Lord, just thank you so much that you are a God who does not judge us based on our worst. You are a God who reaches out infinite mercy to us. You are a God who loves beyond our comprehension. So Lord, we just ask that we as your people could reflect that love, that gift you have given us, that amazing, gracious, overflowing of your love. Just ask that as we go out, as we encounter people, as we interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis, that you would start breaking down these barriers of assumptions, these judgment calls we make about people every day. We just ask that you would start pulling the scales off of our eyes. That you would just start allowing us to see people as you see people. Children of God. Creatures created in your loving image. And we just ask that you would help identify some people in our lives, in our communities, people around us, that we can start growing with. We can start 
developing friendships with, relationships with, growing closer together. That we can bring you into these relationships. That we can be the people to start breaking down assumptions about even who you are, about who Christians are, about the church. We just ask that you could give us the opportunities to start breaking down those assumptions. We just ask that you would give us the strength to do that. When those opportunities come, we ask that you would give us the boldness to push through those. Continue represent you and to overflow your love. Lord, we just ask that as we continue to worship you this morning, that you would continue to bless us, continue to be present with us, and continue to guide us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.